Our scripture today is James 2, 14 through 26, if you want to follow with us. Uh, James 2, 14 through 26. It says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of them says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. If you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you... Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them into a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's just uh, go to our Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. And Lord, we have so many things to be thankful for, and you just work in our lives in, in mighty ways every single day, and I just pray that we can thank you more and more. But Lord, we thank you for your saving grace, and we thank you for the, the love that you show us. And Lord, right now we just lift up some of the prayer needs that we have, and, and we just lift up Jerry and her recovery, and, and also be with Tim as he takes care of her, and, and all the doctors and nurses and all that's going on there, we just leave it in your hands, and and Lord, we know others that are going through some procedures and some surgeries being scheduled, and we just lift up their situations to you and pray your healing hand just works, uh, works through the doctors. And Lord, right now, as we look into your word, I just pray that our hearts are open for what you have for us. And, and as we go out of here, that it won't just be a head knowledge, but we will be excited about being your children and living the life that you've called us to live. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles and you turn to James chapter 2, we're going to look at these 12 verses or so here. But it seems like if you put the word real in front of anything, it sells more. Like you can say, this is real leather. You might even say genuine if you want to say genuine. Or we're drinking real coffee. Whatever that is. But we want the genuine thing. And I want to talk today about what James has to say about how to have real faith. Because there's a lot of phony stuff out there. There's a lot of phony religions out there. There are people who think that they're Christians, but they're not. So in this passage of Scripture, James talks about the difference between real Christianity and counterfeit Christians. He talks about authentic Christians versus fake Christians. And he talks about how 
you have real faith. Now this is probably a somewhat of a controversial, misunderstood passage in James. There's a lot of cults that misunderstand it, and they try to use this passage to say that you've got to work for your salvation. And like I mentioned before, James is talking to people who are already Christians. They've already given their heart and life to Christ. But it's important that you get what I'm trying to tell you today so that when some of those people come knocking at your door, you know what to say. Or when you slam it, slam it gently, or, or whatever you do for that. So when James uses this passage here, he's talking about the lifestyle of a Christian. Acts of love. And James is focusing on what's the fruit of our salvation. What happens on the outside? We have this inward change where Christ comes into our heart and life. So what's the outward change look like? Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. The Apostle Paul, when he writes, many times he's talking about how you know that you're a Christian. James, however, at this particular point, is talking about how to show that you're a Christian. So James says there's five ways. Well, I don't know if he said five ways. I'm saying James said that there's five ways that you know that you've got the real thing. And so, we've got a few things here that if this works, there we go. Real faith is not just something that you say. Verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now it doesn't say he, he actually has faith, this person. This person is just claiming to have it. He's saying the right words. He's able to say the right phrases. And there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, listen to this really shocking statement that I'm going to make. Are you ready? Not everybody with a Christian bumper sticker is a Christian. That's profound, isn't it? But James is basically saying real faith is not just something that you say. You don't just say, I have faith. And that's all it ends. So do you know anybody that claims to be a Christian, but you don't see any evidence in their life? To me, that's kind of a phony faith. Because faith is not just something that you're, you say. The next thing that we see in this is faith that real faith is not just something you feel. Faith is much more than emotions. And there are, there are a lot of people that confuse emotions and sentiment with faith. You can be emotionally moved, but never act on it. You can go to church and you can get a quiver in your liver. You can get goosebumps on your arms. But it doesn't make any difference in your life. Then James gives an illustration. If you look at verses 15 and 16, he says, Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to them, Go in peace, 
keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? So think of it this way. If after church, you're getting in your car, and you happen to slam all eight fingers into the door. I don't know how you do that, but maybe you kick the door. But anyway. And so you got these fingers that are bleeding and they're hurting and, and, and it's all this kind of stuff. And I come up to you and I walk up to you and I say, I really feel for you. But I don't do anything. Is it any help? Not really. So you see, real faith is more than just sympathy. It's more than feeling an emotion. You get assistance. You do something about it. And a real believer has real faith and is practical. Real faith gets involved in people's lives. James is talking about Christians here. Remember that. A real believer cares about other believers. Real believers care about the lost world too. But the question is, who can count on you in a crisis? Hopefully we all have, we, we come together and help one another. Hopefully there's people in your lives that you can call up in the middle of the night and they're there for you. As Christians, we should be those kinds of people. But James is saying that if my faith doesn't lead me to share with others, it's wrong. Look at verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So if I don't feel like helping other people, I don't have a sick faith, I have a dead faith. James, he's laying it on the line here. He says, do you really want real faith? It's more than just something you say. It's more than something that you feel. He even says, real faith is, is not just something you think. Because for some people, they look at faith as some kind of intellectual trip. We can study it, we can debate it, we can talk it over, we can discuss it. So James is imagining now this intellectual objecting person. He says in verse 18, But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He's imagining some intellectual guy who says, Wow, you know what, you're into faith. I'm into works. That's what James is kind of picturing here. He's picturing it different strokes for different folks. You know, that kind of a thing. He's saying, let's debate it. You got your thing, I got my thing. We hear that a lot in the world today. That's your way of believing? Well, that's nice. But then look at that next one. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, if you have the words, show me in your Bible, you might want to circle that. Because real faith, we know, is visible. You can see it. It's apparent. If you claim to be a Christian, people should be able to see that in your lives. So how do you know for sure? James says, show me. If you claim to be a Christian, James says, I have the right to ask you to prove it by the way you live. So 
Somebody said, another really profound statement, faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you see the results. Think about that. You can't see faith, but you can see the results. So real faith is more than just something you think. See, we're moving, moving pretty quick, aren't we? And you're looking at it going, really long conclusion coming up, right? Real faith is not just something you believe. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I mean, think about that statement. There are a lot of people who have strong beliefs in God. They believe the Bible. They believe things about Christ. They can recite creeds. They've been to every catechism that was ever invented. They can talk about the doctrines, the doctrines of God, the doctrines of the Trinity, and they can quote Bible verses. A lot of head knowledge. And James comes along and says, big deal. Whoop-dee-doo. Because James says, just saying I believe in God is not enough to get you to heaven. He says even the, even the devil believes. The word believe in Greek means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit yourself completely. You can believe in a lot of things, but that doesn't make you. You can believe in a car, but it doesn't make you a car. So it's more than a head knowledge. There's a lot of people that are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. They're going to believe in God, but they never brought Him in his heart, in their heart. And that's kind of a sad scenario. So, James is saying, Christ has saved you. It's great that you believe in Christ. Now, commit your life to Him. So, it's not, if it's not something that you, you say or think or feel or just believe, what is real faith? And James, remember, he's talking to Christian people. James says, real faith is something you do. Not your Christianity. You've, you've been saved by Christ. But in the next couple of verses, James gives two illustrations that say real faith is something you do. It's active. Faith is not passive. It's a commitment. And then he gives in that scripture that Ronnie read in, in our scripture in our, pa our passage today, he talks about Abraham and Rahab. Two very different people. They were exact opposites of each other. Abraham is a man. Rahab's a woman. Abraham is Jewish. Rahab's a Gentile. Abraham is a patriarch of the faith. Rahab is a prostitute. Abraham, in a sense, in the world side, Abraham is a somebody. And Rahab, we would look at, as kind of a nobody. Abraham is a major character in the Bible. We study Abraham's life. Rahab is just a nobody. A minor character. 
And then James uses these illustrations to say, it doesn't matter who you are. As long as you have the most important thing. They had only one thing in common. They had their faith in God. Their faith in God then led them to be people of action. Look at these verses 20 through 23. It says, You foolish men, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. Scripture was fulfilled when it said Abraham believed God. Now how do we know it? I mean, we saw it. Abraham behaved in a way that his belief came out visibly. Because what's he say next? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Now think of the story about Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. It was the ultimate test where God asked Abraham to give up his own son. It had nothing to do with salvation. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He's already a believer, right? But Abraham did all of those faith steps. He cut the wood. He built the altar. He was ready to sacrifice his own son. Bound him on that altar. But Abraham says to his son while they're walking up on the mountain, we will return. He didn't say, I will return because you're going to be dead. He said, we will return. Because he knew that God would provide somehow. Even if it meant raising Isaac from the dead. So Abraham's just about ready to sacrifice him and God says, I was just testing you to see what's most important in your life. It was an action. His work proved his faith. Abraham held nothing back from God. And then James talks about Rahab. The story in Joshua 2, it's a story of this prostitute who helped a couple of spies when they're coming into Jericho. Rahab helps these two spies out. But what's interesting is she ends up in the family line of Jesus. She risks her life to save the spies. Now, our faith is not determined by what we do. It's demonstrated by what we do. Does that make sense? If not, I can start over. So in light of this passage of Scripture, what James says that I think we need to look at in our own lives is the question, am I really a Christian? I maybe have believed, I maybe have gone to church all my life, I, I may believe in the Bible, I may believe in God, but have I ever really given my life to Christ? Maybe another question is, what changes can I point to in my life 
since I have become a Christian? Are there changes that I have? And I think the big one that we need to realize today, as believers, as Christian people, people who have put their faith and trust in Christ, He has saved us and we know that we're saved. The question that I'd like to point out for all of us is, is my lifestyle any different than an unbeliever's? Because it seems like in today's world, we want to water everything down so that we become like the world. And I think James is telling us we're different. We have different priorities. We have different principles. And I think we've got to look at it in terms of hopefully our lifestyle shows people that we are true believers in Christ. Everybody got quiet. Tough passage. Tough passage of Scripture. But I trust that you know Christ in a personal way. It's not just a head knowledge, but you know Him in your heart. And you're letting your life show that. Not just on the inside, but on the outside as well, so that everyone can see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank You for Your Word, a very tough passage. But I pray that we are different than the world. I pray that we live our lives different than the world. But Lord, I thank You that no matter who we are, whether it seems like we're a somebody or a nobody, You love us all. And You gave Your all for each in the whole world. And so, Lord, I just pray that we can tap into You, we can just really surrender our lives totally to You. And not just talk the game, not just talk Christianity, but really live it out in everything that we do, in every decision that we make, in our families, everywhere we're at, that people have no doubt that we are one of Your followers. And again, I just thank You for this time together. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.